0: What's better than this? Guys me and dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. It's Joe Merle, Chris Schubert. We're your host, Chris Schubert, polling double today, the co-host and producer. Your salary is unaffected by that, Chris. It's the same no matter what here. So you just get to do more work with no extra rewards, except for you get to talk more on the podcast today. We got a great topic lined up, but first we are brought to you by Bet Online, the number one spot for all. Your sports wagering information. They've got everything you could ever imagine. Major League Baseball. Chris informs me the trade deadline is today. Maybe that'll move the needle on some of those lines. Check them out. Football's Future. Uh, they've got combat sports, esports, in game betting, golf. Everything is over there. Super easy to use website. Check it out on your desktop or your mobile device. Use our promo code That's BLEAV50. That's B L E A V 50. That'll get you a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's Bet Online, and it's where the game starts. Chris, happy National Ice Cream Sandwich Day to you.
1: Oh, I will probably do my best to celebrate today. This is another one of those that I will uh, try to celebrate uh, if I have the chance. Also, I just want to shout out the lovely listeners of this program who yesterday... Uh, heard the new intro that we're going to have and I'm still working through some of the the things on there because we have the video version that has the old intro so we're working through some stuff so you might hear the old intro music today but I do appreciate everyone goes uh, you know I was a little concerned new intro got the voice guy at the top <laughs> but then very quickly it was the same old draft dudes because Joe didn't know where Spider-Man was it was very quick that we were back into into peak draft dudes form so I uh, appreciate all the kind words but yes we got a training camp a buy or sell edition uh, should be a fun show today.
0: What do you think people were concerned about? Because uh, well, I've read some of that feedback, too. Like, what was the concern?
1: Uh, yeah, I was like, I, you know, we, we got a new intro. I got some new music. You got to spice it up every once in a while. You can't be doing the same Real. stuff forever. You still do the same what's better than this guy's being dudes. You still got all that stuff. Still the same show. Mm-hmm. We're not replacing Kyle and Joe. They're in the intro. Yeah. Their voices are said in the intro. It's the same show. We just add a little production value. They were concerned. Well, you you know, it's good to know people care. I know, but you very quickly dispelled all those concerns very quickly. Yeah, I didn't realize that you
0: guys had me. You guys had me in uh, you were in cahoots there at the beginning of the show where I didn't realize that I just completely goofed on something. And you guys very quickly united over this. And uh, hug me out to dry.
1: Kyle and I are very quick to understand when there is a bit to be had on the show, when there's an opportunity for something to go throughout the course of a show. And he and I are very quick to the idea of we respect the bit and we let it play out and we don't quickly get rid of it. And so there's just sort of this respect between the two of us where Kyle knows Mm. and I know that if there's a bit to be had, we're going to let it go. And so he and I work together without even having to say anything about how the bits are going to go. Yeah.
0: Unbelievable. All right. So we've got uh buy or sell conversation regarding some of the biggest training camp storylines that have manifested over, I guess the first week or so that camps have been open. There's some, there's some pretty hot stuff out there, Chris, and you've, Assemble a really compelling list of uh, of talking points for us to d- dive into here on the podcast today.
1: Yeah, you said yesterday, hey, why don't we talk about some of the storylines from training camp and we buy or sell some of the hype is the word that you use. So I said, OK, let me put together some things. This is not everything that's going on at camp, but I think these are things that are they're being talked about. They might be trending in one direction, and I think it's important for us to have these conversations. And like the guy said yesterday, we're doing our mock draft tomorrow when Kyle is back mm. on the program. So with Joe and I in today, we thought, hey, let's update everybody on training camp as teams are putting pads on today. I know the Bears have their first padded practice today. It's week two of training camp. These storylines are beginning to develop. A nice check-in uh, for some of the roster building that uh, that went on in the offseason. And Joe, we're going to come out of the gates firing because I would love, and the best part about this I don't think there's a single one of these that you and I have had a conversation off air about. So I don't know where you stand on this. So it is buy or sell where you're going to buy or sell the topic, but we're obviously going to go deeper into each one of these conversations. And so the first one that I have here is what's going on in Pittsburgh, where the offensive coordinator, Matt Canada, said, hey, Mason Rudolph, he's got a great shot to win the starting quarterback job there in Pittsburgh. We know they have Kenny Pickett. They have Mitchell Trubisky, but he, Matt Canada saying, hey, don't rule out Mason Rudolph here in this conversation. Joe, I, I think this is just Matt Canada being nice and Matt Canada trying to drum up a competition that's not really there, but I'd love to hear your thoughts.
0: Yeah, I'm selling this. Um, I know where Matt Canada's coming from. This is the this is the guy that was on the team last year, right? He, he's had an extra year in the system that's going to naturally give him an advantage over Kenny Pickett and Mitchell Trubisky. And so I think it's kind of tapping into that foundational knowledge of what they want to be schematically on offense. But at the end of the day, you're paying Mitchell Trubisky more than you are Rudolph, right? I know he got a decent one-year, $5 million deal. You just drafted Kenny Pickett in the first round. I think what's important for us a lot of times to kind of sort through when considering stuff like this is – Teams will tell you one thing verbally, but it's it's the actions that you need to pay attention to. You have a, a higher price price player, you have a first-round pick, and you have Mason Rudolph, who's been part of the situation for multiple years. I think the actions here are what we need to be paying most attention to. But also, hey, let's do give Mason Rudolph some some acknowledgement for being the incumbent player, having the extra time in the system. But this is a this really feels like a Trubisky situation. Even some of the the reports that we're getting about Kenny Pickett, right, really not gaining a whole lot of first-team reps at this point. and And, it, 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 you know, he might be the QB3 this year.
1: Yeah, I think he got uh, the second-team reps yesterday in camp. Uh, on Monday, I think he ran with the second team a good portion of the day. But I think, Joe, to your to your larger point, right? Mason Rudolph, at least at the start of camp, should be considered the de facto starter until he is replaced by one Mitchell Trubisky or Kenny Pickett. Now, I'm of the belief that that will happen relatively quickly throughout this process where the... the offensive coaching staff there in Pittsburgh is going to be like, okay, yep, Mitchell Trubisky, you're our guy, and we'll move everybody else up. But I think Mason Rudolph deserves the the respect of, hey, you're going to be the incumbent for now, and if you come out here and you blow us away and you have one of the best training camps of, uh, of your life, yeah, you're going to be the starter. But if you don't, mm-hmm. there's guys behind you knocking, and they are more than willing to, to take that spot from you. So I'm also with you. I'm, I'm selling this. as He's got a great shot, but he is probably the leader at the start of training camp. Uh, Joe, I'm glad that we're talking about this, and I I literally put this on the list because Kyle wasn't here because I wanted you and I to have a non-biased approach when we're having this conversation. But are you buying or selling that Tua is the most accurate quarterback that Tyreek Hill has ever played with?
0: There's been some really aggressive takes by Tyreek Hill since he became a member of the Miami Dolphins. And... What I can appreciate about what Tyreek Hill has done is he's helped give Tua some confidence. And I think that's necessary based on what Tua's been through to this point with Brian Flores, who very obviously wasn't Team Tua. And it felt like a decision that was mandated by ownership for him to be the draft pick. And his rookie season kind of coming in and out of the lineup with Ryan Fitzpatrick and You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick was even labeled the closer, right, to come in and not screw it up at the end of games where they had the lead and then all the rumblings last year about trading for Deshaun Watson. Tua has not been treated well by a lot of the circumstances that have existed in Miami, and so for Miami to go out and and make the investment that they did to trade for Tyreek Hill and, and pay him the contract that they're paying him, I can appreciate where he's coming from in terms of creating a little hype and positivity that to, to go with to it. Now, how is this going to age? We'll find out, right? I, I think there's a lot of people that want to bury Tua at this point, And certainly I think that's overly aggressive. He deserves this season to showcase himself in this offense, you know, an offense that should be tailored well to what he does with a, a situation where you feel like the infrastructure from an offensive line and skill players it's better they should be able to run the ball more effectively they should be a good defense so let's find out all right let's find out so i'm not sure how this is going to age but i do think it's worth acknowledging taking some steps here by Tyreek Hill to give some confidence to Tua isn't a bad thing based on what he's been through
1: yeah i just you can and i and i i think to i think Tyreek is trying to build that confidence and, 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 and come in and, and listen, I think you and I can both say this without it being a shot. It hadn't, it has not gone well for Tua in his first two years in Miami, right? It has not gone well. And I think Tyree coming in and being that breath of fresh air from the sense of like, Hey, let's be positive about this. Hey, this is the the most accurate quarterback that I've ever been around. Like, man, he's slinging it like, and trying to build that <laughs> confidence of the room. I get I don't know if you have to go to this extreme because it's just going to look bad the first time that he misses Mm Tyreek badly in a game. And everyone's going to be like, really, the most accurate quarterback you've ever played with? Like, you're just opening the door. You're setting yourself up for that. But I I think I can understand, and and this is me trying to get into the psyche of Tyreek Hill, but I certainly think this is an effort of changing that culture, changing that mindset from an offensive perspective of, no – we are good. We are talented. This is a group that can get things done. Yeah. We, we 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 collectively can do this, and I think that's the what I think that's what Tyreek is trying to do. I just don't know if I would endorse going to this extreme in order to do it.
0: I think that's a fair way to put it. I, I would not endorse going to this level. Yeah, I, I think that's a good way to put it, Chris. Uh, one thing that I, I I do want to take the opportunity to mention, and I will I will lump in Baker Mayfield to this conversation. Because we sit here and we talk about how important it is for certain things to be in place around a quarterback, for them to have their best opportunity to succeed. And then we acknowledge that those things are not good,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but we still want to sit there and bury the friggin' quarterback. Yep. Everybody knows that the, the offensive coordinator situation in Miami last year was goofy with the two coordinators with no experience. You know, that was really goofy. We knew they didn't have the offensive line. We knew they didn't have the playmakers, but we're going to sit here and bury Tua for not having anything that he actually needed to be successful, much less an organization and coach that actually bought into him? I'm not trying to sit here and be like a Tua apologist, but I don't like like the, quite frankly, the hypocritical approach that we have with analyzing quarterbacks so often.
1: Context is king, right? It is very important to have context to all, to what you're talking about and context to the criticism that you're going to levy. There's, there's fair reason to levy criticism against a quarterback. But if you're also in the same breath going to blame mm-hmm. all of the other surrounding parts, then maybe the criticism against the quarterback shouldn't be as harsh. Now, Joe, you mentioned something yeah. there, and I'm going to go a little out of order, but you mentioned an AFC East team having two offensive coordinators. And I thought that was very interesting that you Mm. brought up an AFC East team having two offensive coordinators that maybe had never done that before. And that made me think, oh my goodness, that's exactly what the New England Patriots are doing. And I have a tweet here for you from uh, Greg Bedard, who was was there at Patriots camp. I'm just going to read you this tweet. Yeah. Let the record show that the Patriots' first padded pra- pra- first padded period using the Shanahan run scheme was an abject disaster, among the worst I've seen covering the league. And here was, here was the play sequence. False start, interception, stuffed run, two-yard run, stuff, a good plus run, an overthrow, a stuff, no gain, and a stuff. Now, listen, we're buying or selling, and I don't want to completely overreact, yeah. but... Are we buying or selling this offensive coordinator situation in 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 New England? Now, maybe not just based off of this one tweet, but it certainly is not off to a good yeah. start.
0: Well, yeah, you know, it's it's so interesting. This is a gap power run scheme. That's what it's been in New England. That's what made it effective last year. That That's what allowed Mac Jones to keep his head above water as a rookie. And now you're going to pivot? Because what? You lost Shaq Mason and you got Cole Strange and he can move? But you, Ted Karras for Michael. When I I don't understand this, you had a good rushing offense last year. Why are you pivoting scheme? Everything that's happening offensively with the Patriots right now is completely goofy. Well, I don't know if you've seen some of the other tweets about guys can't separate. Well, no kidding. Look at the receivers they have,
1: and and that's the point I was going to make, Joe. Is like if you're going to adopt this Shanahan style run scheme, right? Like you can. Open the you can open that up with some some quick passing and getting the ball out quickly, but like they don't they don't have a Debo Samuel, (laughs) they don't have a Brandon Ayuk, they don't have a George Kittle in the middle of the field. Like, and I'm just using the you know this for 49ers as the example here. There's other teams that I can use for this, but like they don't have a one-to-one comparison for that. So it honestly, Joe, it feels like they're just they're just sending Mac Jones out into the ocean without a without a life vest. They're just like, Mac, go figure it out. And and I just think that's going to be a disaster. You know that I'm low on the Patriots this year for this reason, that this is not going uh, to end well, that they're not setting him up for success. They lost their best offensive player on the offensive line. This receiving core is not very good. They're completely changing their scheme on offense. And oh, by the way, they have a former defensive coordinator and a special teams coordinator that are part of their offensive play design and their offensive coaching staff. And you think that's going to be good for a year two quarterback? I mean, come on, man. Like, this is just one example. This this first padded period that they had where it didn't work well is just, I think, a microcosm of what do they wh- like we give Belichick the benefit of the doubt that always oh, the, you know, the, the evil mastermind. He figures it all out. He puts it all together. I don't know how Matt Patricia and Joe Judge are this like secret offensive juggernaut that are gonna be able to outduel other offensive coordinators in the league. I don't think they're gonna be able to outdo other offensive coordinators in the division. Like, are they going to be better than LaFleur? Are they going to be better than Mike McDaniel calling out plays in in Miami? Like, I just don't, it, it doesn't make sense to me. It just doesn't make sense.
0: Zone rushing scheme is predicated on timing, right? So there is a time on task element here that's, you know, it should improve over time. But, you know, I think about some of the stuff we talk about with college players going to the NFL and how... You shouldn't punish guys for not doing something that they weren't asked to do in college, but also recognize that there's a comfort level that comes with having done those things in the past and being able to do it in the NFL, right, in in professional football, right, the highest level of football. Yeah, you weren't asked to do it in college, but now you're asked to do it in the NFL, and we have to acknowledge an adjustment. Well, I think you can apply a lot of the same logic to these New England Patriots offensive play callers, whatever we're calling them, Joe Judge, Matt Patricia, these are guys with no background doing this. And now all of a sudden they're asked to do this at the highest level with pretty middling personnel, if not below average personnel offensively. And so just from that simple standpoint, there's a lot to be concerned with here. And I've stopped giving Bill Belichick the benefit of the doubt. And I think everybody else will very soon.
1: Well, and it's not like this is a team that is rebuilding. There's an expectation no. there of winning. They went to the playoffs last year, Chris. And so, so you're gonna. I mean, it's not necessarily their fault that Josh McDaniels took the Raiders' job, right? Like I, that part's not on them. But this being the answer for that happening, man, I I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be a long year in New England. I think it's gonna be a long year, and it. I don't think it is going to end well whatsoever. And I wouldn't be surprised if they make a change next season. Like I I wouldn't be surprised if after yeah. this year they go. You know what? We need something new. We need something new in house. We need to bring something else in, and and we need to we need to uh, you know change things up.
0: You know, and 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 this is going to age very weirdly if Belichick steps aside and Josh McDaniels is having success with the Raiders. You know what I mean? Because if that could have been just a natural succession plan, you blew it for this.
1: Do you know what other change you need to make? Joseph in your life? Do you know what you need to bring in-house? Do you know what you need to bring in your own house like the Patriots might need to bring in new offensive coordinators next year?
0: Flat may describe the New England Patriots offense right now, but it should not describe your TV sound. Experience your entertainment like never before with the new Sonos Ray. This compact and easy-to-use sound bar puts you at the center of shows, movies, games, and more with crisp highs and precisely balanced bass. Bass. Breeze through setup with help from the Sonos app, you can even use your own remote for control, and when the TV is off you can stream music, radio, draft dudes and audiobooks from all your favorite services. Visit sonos.com to learn more.
1: Joe, I got more for you here. I got more on the mm-hmm. list for you and we will go to the Arizona Cardinals and I would love your take on a player that I know you scouted. Yeah. for this draft, for for the draft that he came out, because this team was in your region. So you had an up-close and personal look of this player, and I think you can attest to the skill set that this player has. Isaiah Simmons and the Arizona Cardinals. And there have been talks by Vance Joseph and company of we're going to use him all over the field in 2022. We've got a new position that we're creating for him. The star backer is what we're calling it. Mm-hmm. We're going to move him all over the field, do all of these different things. Are you buying or selling Isaiah Simmons Not only one having this big role in 2022, but being successful at it in 2022.
0: Well, I'm certainly buying the direction. Um, I think this is what should have always been the plan with Isaiah Simmons. He was never just a safety or just a linebacker. The best thing about him was just the different traits that he offered and how you can deploy that to help your scheme, right? Like you have a rare package of size, length, athleticism, and – Boxing him into any one role is not going to do anybody any favors, your scheme or Simmons and his development and his ability to make an impact in the NFL. And so I think this is the right way to tap into his skill set. I love the idea of using him in the overhang, uh, allow him to be a matchup-specific player in coverage, allow him to play in space, allow him to pursue the football, not ask him to necessarily be in the box a ton or consistently have to play in deep alignments, this is going to be his best opportunity to help this team and and more so the type of role that I was hopeful he would always have in the NFL.
1: They need playmakers on defense badly. They need players that are going to be able to make plays for them. They do not have Chandler Jones anymore. I don't know what the expectation is of J.J. Watt. Their corner room is not very good. They need players that can go out there, create chaos, make plays, and be a difference maker. Because I do not think this team is going to be able to survive looking at Kyler Murray in the offense and saying, hey, go put up 35-40. I just don't think it's going to work. It's That's just not the way the NFL works, and I don't think they can do that consistently enough and on a consistent enough basis to be able to be successful. So they need everybody on defense to be able to make plays. And Isaiah Simmons is a young, a young enough player to where if they're able – to find this role for him where he's able to create that chaos. I think that's only going to benefit the defense, which is in turn going to benefit the whole team because I think it's going to put less pressure on the offense. Now, it's not just one player. That whole defense needs to be better. But if you can find one player that can create some some chaos and be a bad be a bad matchup for opposing offenses, man, you're taking a step in the right direction. So this is encouraging, but it's up to Isaiah Simmons and it's up to Vance Joseph and his coaching staff to figure out how to best use him because I got to be honest with you, Joe, that his first his first year in the league, Was not on the field much. Could not get on the field. And it Mm -hmm. wasn't a case of the the coaching staff didn't want to use him. It was just he was not able to do anything when he was out there, so his snaps were limited. Made the one good play on that what that Sunday night game against Seattle in overtime where he made the interception. That's really the the biggest play that he's made in his career. And so they they need to find something, and they need to find something in a hurry. Uh, I have another team that I want to talk about because I'm interested in your take on this player. The Washington Commanders running back Antonio Gibson had some fumble problems a year ago. They have Brian Robinson. They still have J.D. McKissick. I know that's kind of an, a, an open wound for you. Uh, it, you know, could have been a Buffalo.
0: And <laughs> We got James Cook, brother. I'm good to go. I'll, I'm, I'm going to be all right.
1: Uh, are you buying or selling this idea that Antonio Gibson, and this has been a conversation from a fantasy perspective in the fantasy space, but I think it's also we can talk about it here from a real-life football team building perspective. Are you buying or selling this idea? And Ben Standig uh, of The Athletic wrote this kind of piece covering Washington training camp and, and talked about Gibson's role that he might not be getting goal line carries. Not sure he's going to be the third down back still with McKissick Tow. they have Brian Robinson Jr. What is a realistic role going to look like for Antonio Gibson? So I'll ask the question to you this way. Are you buying or selling the idea that Antonio Gibson's role in this Washington offense is starting to diminish?
0: Yeah, I I am buying that, Chris. Um, And I think it comes back to something you mentioned there. Ball security. You can't fumble. It's just the, the... At its core, it's just the cardinal sin of playing running back, fumbling the football. And that was an issue for Antonio Gibson last season where he fumbled a good amount. I have the numbers right here. Give me one second. Six fumbles, Christopher, in about 340 or so touches from scrimmage. He has eight fumbles in his NFL career across about 500 touches. Okay, that is far too many. Insert Brian Robinson, who did not fumble at all last year for the Alabama Crimson Tide in about 300 touches and for about 600 touches for his career, he had two career fumbles. And so this is absolutely a message to Antonio Gibson that if you don't get your fumbling stuff corrected, we got a guy that doesn't fumble that's going to come take your job. 6'2", 225 pounds is Brian Robinson Antonio Gibson another big 6'2", 220 hundred20 pound back. There's a little bit of a redundancy in the skill sets here. Maybe Gibson gives you a little bit more as a pass catcher, but I wouldn't sleep on Brian Robinson's ability to catch a football. He's pretty good in that regard for for Alabama last year. And so I, I think that this is a big time message. The draft pick and that's what we said it's top 100 pick right, third round. That was my immediate talking point whenever we dealt with this on on the broadcast during the draft. And I think it's even more true today. The message is loud and clear. You're going to foam the football. You're not going to play for for Ron Rivera.
1: Well, and in, in fairness, right, this is a wide receiver that was converted to a running back and had early success in his career. But Joe, when you're a running back in this league, the way that you were successful and the way that you make big money and the way that you impact a team is that you're able to be on the field for all three downs, that you're able to catch the ball out of the backfield. And ultimately, when you're down in the red zone and you're down in goal line situations, you're able to to, to take the rock. Well, they have a pass-catching specialist. Like, that's J.D. Yeah. McKissick's role yep. in this offense. That w- that's what he's there for. So, okay, Antonio Gibson, you're not going to get on the field there, right? So you're not going to be on the field in third, third medium, third, and long situations. They're going to put McKissick in. So then you have, we brought in a rookie. You fumble the ball. He doesn't. He can play those other downs. It, it It's not going to take long. The first fumble that he has... There's gonna uh-huh. be there's gonna be conversations for Brian Robinson to to get get the workload. Now I also think they're just gonna use all these guys so that there's not wear and tear because Gibson's also had an injury problem too where he gets banged up a bunch. So you're gonna probably try to use Brian Robinson as much as you can to just balance it out so you're not working all of these guys a ton and you can keep some balance throughout the year. So yeah, it's we, the Antonio Gibson of what two years ago that three years ago that doesn't exist anymore that that is not the way this Washington offense is going to run. They're going to need a running game. They're going to want to have balance with Carson Wentz as quarterback. And so they're going to use all of these guys in whatever way they can. So I would agree with you that I think the role is diminishing and you just have to look, this, yeah. it's just a personnel thing. Like just look at who else is in the room. Like they're telling you everything they need to know. Like they're yeah. telling you how this is going to go down. Yeah.
0: Yep. That's a good point. Follow the actions there. What right. they actually do tells you what you need to know. And look for, for a player that's a uh, running back in Antonio Gibson, that's six to 225 pounds you'd expect him to be better after contact as well. Like if you're going to be a big physical running back, be a big physical running back that wins after contact. And, you know, he's about 2.8 yards after contact per attempt, which is around 40th in the NFL. Like you you need to be higher. You need to be up there with the Elijah Mitchells and the Nick Chubbs and the Derek Henrys who are getting an extra five point five point seven five, and in some cases a full yard more after contact. Than, than what uh, what Antonio Gibson's providing Washington
1: at 225 pounds. Got two more stories for us to get to here, and let's start with this. Uh, story out in San Francisco Debo Samuel signs his contract extension he's staying in San Francisco and I think a lot of people uh, were surprised that we ultimately got to this conclusion when you think about how it started with the trade request and it looked like he was going to go someplace else but he didn't like the way he was used in San Francisco the role was a big conversation point right I want to be a wide receiver not a running back and Joe I found it interesting that we learned yesterday that there are some incentives in the contract for running related statistics as a running back. So I think the idea that a lot of people thought of Debo's running back days would be over because he signed this extension and went back to San Francisco that they worked out some way that he's going to be utilized. These incentives that are put in the contract makes me think that that's not completely off the table. So I will ask you, I will ask it to you this way. Are Debo's running back days done in <laughs> San Francisco? Are you buying or selling that idea?
0: Let's acknowledge what those incentives are. So if he has 380. 380- or more rushing yards in a single season, he gets a bonus of six hundred fifty thousand dollars. That's not a small amount of money. Three hundred eighty yards. Wait, well, he had four hundred last year, right? I'm I'm working hard to
1: confirm. Working hard to confirm.
0: Yeah, and, and and so this would be factored in as a not likely to earn incentive because he didn't get it last year. Three hundred sixty-five yards on the ground last year. Wow. So he would have to have more rushing production than he did last year. Yeah. Three hundred. Uh, he also three
1: hundred sixty-five yards, and he averaged. yards per game and that was like at the peak of Debo running back like Debo the Swiss army knife
0: how many rushing touchdowns did he have because the incentive is 150,000 bonus dollars for three rushing touchdowns in any one season he had eight rushing touchdowns for San Francisco last year okay so that that seems like it's on the table Do you remember my initial criticism of Debo uh, when he came out and and we kind of learned that it was about his role uh, that was behind uh, a lot of this and him wanting to be a receiver? You know, I kind of linked it back to this overall football guy mantra where you hear guys say all the time, like, hey, whatever I have to do to help the team, right? And, and if that means a, a very important defensive back or a wide receiver being a return guy or having to play a different position or do something, it's whatever I have to do to help the team win. Well, De- Debo did something here when he came out and said that that was him saying, no, 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 I know that this is good for the 49ers, but I don't want to do it. I don't want to do this to help the team. Mm-hmm. So I think I, 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 I've questioned some of that. That's that's That rubbed me the wrong way. Uh, But the fact that these incentives are in there, to me, it it, it says that Debo has a price tag on it. He says, "Okay, yeah, yeah, I'll do this stuff that you want me to do or potentially you're going to ask me to do. But now there's going to be some financial compensation. There's there's a price for it. And so I I think that this is Debo saying, hey, yeah, okay, sure, I'll do what you need me to do. But it's going to come with some extra cash. I I think that he's still going to run the football a decent amount.
1: I got to be honest with you, Joe. I heard you talking. I heard none of it because I was waiting for you to finish to say wee-woo, wee-woo, wee-woo. Is it about Juan Soto or what? It is not. No, that is happening behind the scenes. But I would not wee-woo draft dudes for that. Whoa! That's what I'm wee-wooing about. I will read the tweet. Whoa! I will read the tweet. Adam Schefter, the NFL has stripped the Dolphins of their 2023 first-round draft pick and the 2024 third-round pick for violating the integrity of the game. The Dolphins owner, Stephen Ross, also has been suspended through October 17th and has been fined $1.5 million. The question that I have for you, Joe, this is the NFL admitting that there was something to Stephen Ross asking his coach to tank and lose games. That's not good when the NFL has betting partners that they are nice and close with. I'm surprised it's only one first round pick because this is an admission that there was something there was something there there was there there This is so we are picking up the details very
0: very quickly here this came down to impermissible communications with Tom Brady
1: I have This isn't even the florist stuff is it I have the This the, is I'm I'm working on the full the full thing is here So yes so the NFL uh, the, the findings and conclusions: The Dolphins will forfeit their first-round selection, uh, 2023, third-round selection in 2024. Um, they, Bruce Spie, the vice chairman, has been is not allowed to uh, uh, attend any league meetings and has been fined five hundred thousand dollars. And then you move on forward. This is because of impermissible communications with not only Tom Brady. But also with Sean Payton. Wow, I see that. Okay, and then keep going. Oh gosh, I need to keep going. I don't have the 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 Schefter tweet. The font's not big enough, Joe. I'm trying to read it quickly. Okay, it's not the font's not big enough. There's another Schefter tweet. I I don't. I don't have it up. Please read for me because I don't. Um,
0: it it does the tanking to improve draft position. Uh, they've conclusively established several things. The Dolphins did not intentionally lose games during 2019, nor did anyone at the club. Okay, number of. so they' they're dismissing it. again, so, very quickly trying to process this.
1: Okay here I, I have I was able the fonts loaded. I'm able to read this. This is tam- it's under the tampering of the league release, the, the investigation. The Dolphins had impermissible communications with quarterback Tom Brady in 2019-2020 while he was under contract to the New England Patriots. Those communications began as early as August 2019 and continued throughout the 2019 season and postseason. These numerous and detailed discussions were conducted by Mr. Beal, who in turn kept Mr. Ross and other Dolphins executives informed of his discussions with Mr. Brady. That's bullet point number one. Bullet point two, the Dolphins again had impermissible communications with both Mr. Brady and his agent during and after the 2021 season while he was under contract to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Those discussions began no later than early December 2021 and focused on Mr. Brady becoming a limited partner in the Dolphins and possibly serving as a football executive although at times they also included the possibility of his playing for the Dolphins. Both Ross and Beale were active participants in these discussions. In January of 2022, so this is the beginning of the year, the Dolphins had impermissible communications with Don Yee, the agent for the, New, for the New Orleans Saints, head coach Sean Payton, about having Mr. Payton serve as Miami's head coach. Miami did not seek consent from New Orleans to have these discussions, which occurred before Coach Payton announced his decision to retire as head coach of the Saints. Following that announcement, Miami requested permission to speak to Coach Payton for the first time, which New Orleans declined to grant. So, Joseph, there had been a longstanding rumor that this is what Miami had been trying to do. There had also been a longstanding mm-hmm. rumor that this is what Miami was going to do potentially as soon as next year if the things with Tua didn't work out. There is no place on earth that they are now going to be able to do this, right? They can't do this. Can they turn around and do this next year if
0: they no, want they to? No, can't
1: they, can't. they can't. They can't do it, but is Tom Brady off the hook here? A Players can't tamper. Okay, so that's the that's the long-standing rule in the NFL. Players are, players cannot in tam- the NBA. Excuse okay, me. players can't tamper. So if he had if he had the conversation, I don't know if the league can go after him. I don't because were the conversations with his people or were the conversations with specifically Tom Brady? Right? It, it reads that they had communications with Tom Brady. That I mean, that could be his people. That could be so. Okay,
0: Chris, how much of this is? The timing of this—the day after the Deshaun Watson suspension and the reaction to that oh, this feels a little. This feels a little uh, calculated.
1: This feels a little calculated. Mm-hmm. I mean, but but why? Right? It, it's not. Okay, I'll I'll play this game with you here to close the show. We're doing this with like three minutes left in the show, so this is we're going to give right. this the right amount of time that it, it requires here to think this out. You're the NFL, right? From a PR perspective, you want the story to not be that Deshaun Watson only got six games, right? That's, that's the thinking Mm -hmm. that you're going with. So you release this information that that your investigation has been concluded and you're doing this to the dolphins and you, 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 you have this huge massive scandal that you've released to the world you've talked about. You still have to make your decision if you're the NFL about whether or not you're going to appeal Deshaun Watson. So that's going to end up back in the news. And if you're doing this because you might not actually appeal, that's going to make it worse because when you don't appeal, everyone's gonna it's gonna be back in the news and everyone's gonna rant and rave again. So I I get what you're saying. Right. I agree with you, but I don't necessarily think that's what the NFL's up to. Because I still think they're gonna appeal, and that news is still gonna come out one way or the other. Right. Their decision We're, that still well, it, has to be determined.
0: And you, now you run the risk of, from a a PR perspective, people. Comparing the Deshaun suspension to what Stephen Ross is getting,
1: also right, you, you you suspended an owner. Like, what does that actually do? Like, he just can't go to the game. Like, he I think he owns the stadium. Like, I, what are we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the,
0: those that's in the, the consequential piece of this is the draft picks that they're going to lose. Oh, right, two. that that's
1: it's the two. piece. It's, it's one this year, and the, do they have their a first and a third? They have their pick this year. So they did not give them. a have for the their deal, right?
0: No, they they that's already done. They have okay. two first round picks this year. They have their own, and they have, I, I think, San Francisco's right from the from
1: the Lance deal, right from when they traded up the. Three. Yeah, um, yeah,
0: they've got two picks, so they're still gonna have a first round they're pick. They're Still this
1: gonna year. have a first round pick, but they are, but they they did lose one, and they lost a third in twenty twenty four. I I I'd love to understand the thought process of why those were the two picks selected. Like what like what criteria gets met in order to, to do that. I, I'm. <sighs> well, we were gonna talk about Matt Corral. <laughs> And
0: his chances at being the starter, I'm selling on that, (laughs) by the way, uh, just to give that a quick moment to tie our ribbon on our buy-sell conversation. Obviously, this podcast uh, was hijacked by the NFL's news that came out uh, here. I'm out here
1: here thinking it's because they tanked games. And in in the the statement, Goodell's like he commends commends Flores for not – like, the quote here from from Goodell, Coach Flores is to be commended for not allowing any any comment about the relative importance of draft position to affect his commitment to win throughout the season. Like, that is an unequivocal endorsement from Roger Goodell of Brian Flores. Yeah. Who, by the way, is suing the league. Remember, remember, Brian Flores suing the league. <laughs> oh, there's layers. There's layers,
0: Chris. We got to get out of here. Uh, thanks to everyone for joining us here on the podcast today. Tomorrow, we will begin our first 2023 mock draft in the podcast right. picks one through 16 Uh rumor has it there's some crazy stuff that happens very quickly in that podcast so don't miss it come back rate review share subscribe have a great rest of your day and we look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow thanks for being here for
1: another episode of the draft dudes podcast be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode while you are at it help the dudes out by leaving a rating and review want more head over to www.thedraftnetwork.com or follow us at the draft network on twitter instagram and youtube thank you for listening
0: to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube